Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. A-Chan goes in motion. He flanks Waddle on the right side. Back to throw to a looking. Throws it deep for Tyreek. He's got him! And Tyreek is gone! Nobody's going to catch him! 10-5, touchdown Miami! Boy, that sounded rough on the road yesterday. You could hear that Miami crowd. They were into it down in South Florida yesterday. Great day for South Florida weather yesterday. Uh, It started there with that 78-yard touchdown pass to Tariq Hill on the third play of the game, and it only got worse. Uh, Good morning, everybody. Um, For the second straight game, Washington allowed 45 points to an opponent. Unlike the Dallas game on Thanksgiving, Miami got their points early and often uh, before they took many of their starters out and their foot off the pedal. If not for that show of compassion, they may have gotten 60-plus. That's not an exaggeration. This Washington defense, the Washington team, really because the offense – look, the Washington defense is terrible. The Washington team yesterday wasn't that great either uh, overall. I mean, it wasn't like it was a great day for the offense. Uh, But my God, the points they are allowing. This team might need a mercy rule when they get to the 49ers game in about a month um, or at the end of the month. Uh, The Niners yesterday, how about them, Denton? Wow. I mean, is there any doubt right now who the best team in the league is? 42-19 in Philadelphia yesterday. They put up all 42 of those points and 462 yards of offense in three quarters against the Eagles because they were minus yardage in the first quarter. That Philadelphia defense is not very good. We've been talking about that, you know, going back to the two games it played against Washington. Um, But their defense is not nearly as bad as Washington's defense is, that's for sure. Uh, How did Ron Rivera taking over the reins as the defensive play caller work out? I'm not even sure what he actually did. Um, during the game. We'll talk to Ben Standig later on in the show uh, about how it actually worked with him calling plays. But whatever effect this simplifying of the defense was supposed to have after getting rid of, you know, overly complex Jack, um, it had no impact really at all. None visible to the naked eye. Anyway, uh, Miami's really good. Okay, Uh, of course they are. Um, But, you know, recently they had not been lighting up opponents. The Raiders two weeks ago held the Dolphins to 20. That was the Raiders doing that two weeks ago. But, you know, it's not like there were, as I mentioned, a lot of positives on offense either. You know, overall, a few players made a few plays here and there, but nothing good enough or often enough to make the game more of a competition. I mean, this really felt more like an exhibition than a competition for Miami. You know, kind of a tune-up for them as they get ready to play real teams and real games a few weeks from now and certainly playoff games down the road. Ron Rivera actually indicated in the post-game presser that this was a game about a few plays. I swear I'm not making this up for those of you that have not heard or read the comment that he made. Here's the quote. Quote, It's crazy, but there were two major plays that were made that kind of throws things a little bit out of whack. I'm assuming the two plays he's talking about are the two long touchdown passes to Tariq Hill. Um, I would certainly think 
and you know, giving Ron some credit, that after watching the tape, he'll realize that this was not about just two plays. <laughs> this was not the two Tariq kill plays that just changed the game. Um, this was not like Richard Dreyfus in Jaws, who played Matt Hooper. When he says to Chief Brody as they as he gets done, you know, examining the the the, the dead body, he says, "This was no this was no boating accident." You know, this wasn't Jack the Ripper. This was a shark. Yeah, Ron, this was not about two plays. This was a shark. Uh, for sure. Or in the case of yesterday, actually, it was about a dolphin. Many dolphins doing whatever they wanted to do to a team and a staff that really looked completely shot. Miami's good, no doubt. Um, the Cowboys are good, too. 90-25. to 25. That's what Washington has been outscored by in the last two weeks. 90 to 25. A negative 65 point differential in just two games. I mean, this is not the Big 12, it's the NFL. I don't, I haven't seen any information on this, but I would have to guess that the 45 and back to back with the point differential is right up there with as bad a beating as this team, as this franchise has ever taken over a two-week stretch. I mean, in modern times anyway. I mean, like even some of those, you know, the swinging gate game with at the end of the Zorn tenure, they, they gave up 45, I'm pretty sure, to the Giants. And I think the next week was a shutout loss to Dallas, but I think it was like 17 to nothing. Um, Washington right now has the worst point differential in the league. One point worse than the Giants, who, remember, did not score an offensive touchdown for like a month early in the season. To be fair, the Giants have played one less game. But whatever. Um, You know, like we've been talking about since actually that second and most embarrassing loss to the Giants a few weeks ago. The rest of this season wasn't about, you know, the team's overall one, you know, win-loss record or how they played. It was about Sam Howe. It was about figuring out whether or not he's good enough for the next regime when they come in to build around when they take over or if they'll need to draft a new quarterback with what we should now expect to be a top 3 to top 5 pick. Yeah, they currently hold the fourth position in the April draft, and it could go higher. Arizona won yesterday. New England and Carolina were trying to win. Who knows what the last month of the season might produce in terms of improving their even right now pretty attractive number four draft spot. Uh, But back to Hal. Yesterday was not a good day for Sam. Uh, the three-game stretch that he had against Philly, New England, and Seattle where you know, I thought he played pretty damn well. Um, and the trend at that time was certainly his friend. Uh, that seems like months ago now, which is why those of us who have preached patience on declaring anything on Hal continue to be right to do so. Um, I'm not going to acknowledge those that you know have decided and decided even during the preseason, we've seen enough, he's the guy. You haven't seen enough. Um, yesterday wasn't his fault. It wasn't. Yesterday wasn't his worst game. He's had much worse games than yesterday. But, uh, you know, he made some decent plays. He actually made some really good plays. He's on something he did yesterday is on the list of things that I liked when we get to my game take coming up in about 10 to 12 minutes. Um, but yesterday's performance wasn't the kind of game that a new GM will look at and use to like make the case that, hey, we're okay at quarterback. We don't need to seriously look at drafting anybody with a top five pick. I mean, that at this point, based on what we've seen through now 13 games, I don't think any real GM is going to come to that conclusion that they're okay. They're going to seriously look and evaluate the quarterbacks if they've got a chance to take one high in the draft, which is exactly what they should do. Now, if they decide ultimately, hey, we don't love anybody as much as we think we can build around this guy, that's fine. You know, and that GM will be judged on that down the road. Much more on Sam's game coming up when I get to my game take in a few minutes. But you know, the biggest sports story of the weekend was not an NFL story. It was what happened yesterday as they revealed 
the four-team college football playoff. And that's my what do you got. Florida State or Alabama? One spot, whoever's four plays Michigan. Number five, heartbroken. Who's number four? And Alabama returns to the playoff, and so we have another unprecedented situation as Florida State winds up at number five, and Florida State is the first undefeated champion from a Power Five conference to fail to make the field in the college football playoff era. That was Reese Davis yesterday on ESPN. Uh, As it was revealed on that show that started at noon, that after Michigan, Washington, and Texas, Alabama had snagged the last spot in the NCAA college football playoff. Man, Denton, it was dramatic and obviously very controversial. So I I want for those that didn't follow it closely to just give everybody the basics of what happened yesterday because, man, there's been a lot of conversation and a lot of conversation I've heard and even partaken in where it appears that some people actually don't know what the committee's job is and the criteria that they use to select this four-team playoff. So this is the last year of the four-team playoff, the 10th and final year of the four-team playoff. Next year, we go to 12. But this year, four teams selected by a committee of people in this sport, including plenty of former coaches, the criteria for selecting those four teams isn't actually that difficult, but it is very important for those of you participating in the debate if you want to actually have all of the information. The top two sections of the college football playoff selection protocol are as follows. Number one, the mission. The selection committee's task will be to select the best teams, rank the teams for inclusion in the playoff, and selected other bowl games, and then assign the teams to sites. Number two, section two, principles, as in criteria. The selection committee will select the teams using a process that distinguishes among otherwise comparable teams by considering, and here is the criteria used, Conference championships won, strength of schedule, head-to-head competition, comparative outcomes of common opponents without incenting margin of victory, and lastly, other relevant factors such as unavailability of key players and coaches that may have affected a team's performance during the season or likely will affect It's postseason performance. So that is what the committee is tasked to do and how they are supposed to do it. So yesterday, we got the committee's final four based on that criteria. And with what was likely their most difficult selection process in the 10 years that they've been doing this, they created quite a stir. So, for again, those that didn't pay close attention to what happened or what was going on leading up to this or how they got to the Final Four, there were five conference champions from the five power leagues, and for one of the first times, they were all super strong candidates, meaning that you didn't have a situation where one of the leagues out of the five power leagues had like a two-loss championship team. That's happened in the Pac-12. It's happened in the ACC in recent years where that champion really wasn't considered uh, to be among the four teams. Not this year. You know, we've seen that over uh, over you know the years. This year, there were five conference champions. Three were undefeated, and two had just one loss. But there were only four spots available. Now, Denton, before we get to the Alabama-Florida State conversation, all right, I, for me, and I want to know how you felt, for me, prior to uh, late Saturday night and then prior to the show at, at noon yesterday, I thought the top three had become obvious, obvious for me anyway. Michigan and Washington were absolute givens after completing their perfect seasons with their conference championship wins. By the way, let me just add, 
Uh, Washington's win over Oregon on Friday night was the most impressive win of the weekend, in my opinion, even more than Bama's win over Georgia. Washington was a nine and a half point underdog to a team they had already beaten, and yet everybody that follows the sport closely was convinced, by the way we were too, that Oregon was better despite the regular season result and would prove it in a big way. And Michael Penix Jr. and that Washington team shut everybody up with a phenomenal performance on Friday night in Vegas. That was super impressive. But I I just add that sort of parenthetically. So I thought Washington and Michigan, and I think everybody did, we all knew they were in. I was convinced Texas was in came come late Saturday night after the ACC championship game as well. Were you convinced Texas was in? Because that was still a debate. Yeah, no. Once Texas won, I was I was convinced they were in. Especially when you consider the fashion in which they won. A lot of people are going to point to them having some close calls in the midpoint to uh, to late point of the season. But a lot of that came when Quinn Ewers was hurt. Quinn Ewers right. is healthy, and now two games in a row, they've absolutely blown the doors off of teams with him healthy. So yeah, I was I was convinced Texas was in. My biggest question was, did Washington do enough to jump Michigan for the potential one seed, which obviously ended up uh, not being the case. I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I actually no one was talking about this, not in in the pre build up to the show yesterday. I was sitting there with my with my middle son who was as into this as I was, and I thought Washington had a case to jump Michigan um, to be number one, but they didn't. But so you and I were both in agreement. Look, for me, their week two win, Texas's week two win at Alabama, um, along with as you mentioned, being a healthier team here recently at quarterback with Quinn Ewers back and what they looked like the last two weeks, which was just a wrecking crew offensively in particular. There was no chance in my mind's eye that Alabama was going to get in before Texas. And so to me, it would be Alabama or Florida State that we would be debating once Texas won early in that day. Now, let me just mention, before the ACC championship game, I did think if Florida State won, that more likely than not, they were in. Even after Bama's win over Georgia, which was very impressive, You know, Georgia was the committee's number one team heading into the weekend, and Alabama beat them 27-24. But if you watch the game, Alabama kind of controlled the game. I I mean, I thought they did. Um, And then came the ACC championship game Saturday night, and Florida State beat Louisville 16-6 in what truly was a hideous football game. (laughs) It's so bad. Both defenses were really good. Both offenses were embarrassingly awful. In fact, the Louisville um, uh, the, the Louisville situation offensively in the fourth quarter in the final drives was almost sketchy, suspicious, to be honest with you. But beyond that, I then thought, man, FSU's in trouble here. Because just to give everybody again, assuming that not everybody knows the situation, For those that don't know, Florida State lost their starting quarterback, Jordan Travis, two weeks ago. He snapped his leg in a game against North Alabama, all right, out for the year. Their second-string quarterback, Tate Rotemaker, played the season finale last week at Florida in the Swamp in Gainesville, a game that Florida State trailed 12 to nothing but eventually won 24 to 15. But Rotemaker got hurt and missed the ACC championship game on Saturday night. Um, when the Knolls were reduced then to playing their third-string quarterback, Brock Glenn. And now we get to why Florida State, I think, is out and Alabama is in. Denton, I want your opinion here in a moment, but let me get through this. First of all, remember part of the selection criteria. Okay, Other relevant factors, such as unavailability of key players or coaches that may have affected a team's performance during the season or likely will affect its postseason performance. The committee decided that the Florida State team that they got to see in back-to-back weeks with replacement quarterbacks for Jordan Travis wasn't better than Alabama. Um, Let me add specifically, because the third-string quarterback, Brock Glenn, who was truly awful on Saturday night, He wasn't actually going to be the starting quarterback for Florida State in a playoff if they had gotten there uh, to the semifinals. It was going to be Rotomaker more likely than not if he was at a concussion protocol in three weeks from now. More than that, almost a month from now. Um, And so I think the committee was really more focused on him. But, and Denton, you know this, Rotomaker 
didn't look very capable in his start against Florida last week. I think if he had played better against Florida last week and had looked the part, I actually think Florida State may have gotten in. But against a terrible Florida defensive team, he just wasn't good enough. Even though Florida State won the game. Uh, It was apparently clear to the committee after seeing Florida State's two games without Jordan Travis that they weren't the same team that won all those games leading up to the last two. They were good on defense, very good on defense, and good enough on defense to beat Florida and Louisville. But the committee didn't think they could compete in a playoff against the likes of Michigan, Washington, and Texas. They didn't have a quarterback that made them look similar to what they were with Travis. And in fact, they looked very dissimilar to what they looked like with Travis. What the committee saw was a team, honestly, that was helpless offensively against two opponents that weren't nearly as good as the opponents they were going to play in the playoff. That was it. That was it. It was the committee's job to consider key player availability and what the lack of a key player meant to Florida State, and they thought it meant a lot. And you know what? I didn't have a problem with it because I felt the same way. It sucks for FSU. They do have an excellent defense, and winning the two games they won without Travis was an incredible feat after watching those two quarterbacks, actually. But they weren't anywhere near enough to being the team they were a few weeks ago, and they weren't anywhere close to what Alabama is now. I actually didn't. I actually thought that the committee made a mistake in that they should have put Georgia and Ohio State in front of Florida State uh, to emphasize their position that FSU wasn't the FSU that went 13 and 0. If they really believed, and I think justifiably so, that. FSU wasn't anywhere near the team that they were, then why were they fifth? Because, look, because of the conference championship? Okay, that's that's a good reason, and that's part of the criteria, that they were undefeated, and Ohio State and Georgia weren't. Understood? That's fine. But Georgia and Ohio State, and I believe several other teams, were better than the Florida State team that we watched the last two weeks. By the way, I'd also mention part of the other criteria, strength of schedule, not strength of record, strength of schedule, um, not strength of anything else, because people have mentioned uh, a lot of strengths of, of a lot of other things where FSU was very highly ranked. Strength of schedule is the only thing listed in the criteria. Uh, Bama had the fifth toughest schedule this year. FSU's was 55th. So that came into play too. But man, Taking an undefeated ACC champion who did everything they were supposed to do, including playing and beating LSU in the opener, excluding them was tough. I'd be a mess if I were a Florida State person. It would be painful. Um, Now, the, the conversation, honestly, about this being such a tragic, sad day in college football and this sport will never be the same because of it. I mean, I get the emotion of it from the Florida State people. I do. But the sport is heading to a 12-team playoff next year, so we won't have quite this anymore. Although we will debate the final at-large team, you know, pretty uh, pretty loudly, um, like, like we do in March with basketball. Um, but this past college football season was the most watched in the history of the sport. 151 million viewers during the regular season. This sport is super healthy, despite what happened yesterday and will continue to, continue to be. By the way, if you even care about this, Florida State is a 14-point underdog to Georgia in the Orange Bowl. Uh, Michigan's a one-and-a-half-point favorite over Alabama in the 1-4 matchup. They would have been a 14-15, 16-point favorite over Florida State instead, if that's something you care about. And some of you say it doesn't matter because they earned it. But again, earning it doesn't have anything to do with it, according to the criteria, which it's their job to deliver the best teams in that moment. Crazy weekend. Next year won't matter, obviously. Uh, Denton, your thoughts? Because I can only imagine what Saturday night was like on your show. (laughs) Yeah, well, Saturday night was uh, the the one person that did make a claim for Washington to be the number one seed. I I will just add that. Um, But you mentioned the the thing that if you're a, a smart fan, this is what you're really upset about. 
Like, I think on the surface, FSU not being included is – it hurts. Like, it's a bad thing for this sport. It's a blemish. It's not going to kill college football. I like, guess guess what we're going to do when bowl season comes around, Kevin? We're going to watch college football, all right? Like, we're, we're fine. But in FSU still being five is the problem because the committee seems to not have a a, a strict way of utilizing their own criteria. If you wanted to have Florida State below Georgia and Oregon, like or and Ohio State, excuse me, because they also have one loss, one loss, and then you're saying like, hey, look, we just don't think the Jordan Travis thing, him not being there, we're judging these teams that they have one loss, but yeah, we still think they're better. Ohio State has one loss, yeah, we still think they're that they're better. Like, there's no, there's no requirement that the conference championship absolutely is going to put you in. In the top five. So not having Florida State below those teams is what I would be really upset about because it, it feels like there's really no rhyme or reason. They're kind of mercenary-like in the way that they have handled this, the committee, in that they just kind of wanted to get Alabama in. And there's a lot of people that uh, should be taking blame for it. Jim Phillips, who's the commissioner of the ACC, he needs to be taking a lot of blame for it. You know what uh, You know what Greg Sankey Why? was doing Saturday morning, Kevin? Why Jim Phillips? Well, Jim, for, for multiple reasons. First and foremost, he got absolutely played by Kevin Warren, who was the commissioner of the Big Ten, who has now gone on to be a high-up official in the Chicago Bears organization by forming the alliance. Because the two the two conferences, ironically enough, that wanted to right. wait on expansion of the college football That's playoff right. was the ACC and the Pac-12. Well, now the ACC is on the outside looking in. Like, surely at some I know, point, but that has nothing to do with what the committee was tasked to do with this weekend. Not this weekend, but... If they would not have uh, held off on the vote, there would be a 12-team playoff this year. I, I understand. I understand that. I, but I, here, and here's I, what this weekend he should yeah. have done better. Greg Sankey was talking to everybody that would put a microphone in front of his face, banging the drum for his conference. Some of that does matter. Like you have to be out there present, speaking on your conference, saying, "Look, we deserve to be here. We deserve." Like the silly Sesame Street thing that Greg Sankey said, one was not true because the SEC is in a down year. But he's going out and he's banging the drum for his conference, and that was a major, major talking point as we enter Saturday because the most powerful man in college football, who is Greg Sankey, was going to bat for his conference. I'm not saying that highly. He highly impacted the committee's decision making, but you have to ride for your conference, especially by the way, when you're on the precipice of your conference completely going up in flames. Because now the the one thing, there's two teams that are holding the ACC together right now. It's Clemson, it's Florida State, and one of those teams just got screwed by the college football playoff committee. Yeah, I I um I hear what you're saying. I, I I'd like to think, and I don't think I'm being naive here, that the public, you know, um the, the the public uh, pom pom waving for their own conferences on Saturday did I don't think that impacted it. I, I honestly really go back to the Florida game, Denton, because that was the game in which the quarterback Tate Rotemaker, who would have been the starting quarterback in a playoff game, had a chance to play well. He certainly didn't have to be Jordan Travis. He certainly didn't have to to make Florida State look as great as they had been. But against, as you know, a very bad defensive team. Florida was a hideously awful defensive team all season long. He was not good in that game. And that offense really struggled. I actually think an incredible feat in watching Rotomaker and then Brock Glenn on Saturday night is that Florida State was able to win these two games. Credit to them and their defense. But it was not, in my opinion, it was not going to be pretty. It was going to be TCU Georgia ugly. Um, in in with with that level of quarterback play, I think if Rotomaker had played well in the swamp last Saturday night, and they had won with him throwing for two fifty and a couple of touchdowns, with him looking you know like a playmaker instead of a guy that really you know was running around at times like a chicken with his head cut off. Um, look, they got some big runs from uh, in that game uh, from Wilson uh, that really uh, – I'm sorry, from Benson that really helped them out in that game. Uh, they got a couple of, of wide receiver bubbles that turned into big plays. Like Saturday night, they got a couple of big – they got one big run that essentially uh, made the difference in the game. But I think if Rotomaker had played better against Florida and had looked better – and look, somebody might say it was his first game. You know, dude, he he was going to be much better in the next game. 
Understand that. But that's what the committee had to look at. Was Florida State going to be anything resembling what they were with Jordan Travis? Nobody thought it would equal that. But it needed to at least be something that wasn't frightening, frighteningly awful. And it was in these two games at quarterback. I think that's ultimately what did it. Yeah, uh, I, I think you're right. I do. I, I mean, there's so many other questions that I have about if certain things had gone another direction. I think it's important to point out that in that Florida game, uh, they did not have Graham Mertz playing for the Florida Gators, so they only scored right. 15 points. They're a pretty good offensive team, or pretty decent. Yeah, they had Max team. Brown quarterbacking. Yeah, they know, had who Max was not Brown. very good. So it was not the the peak yeah. of Florida's offense. So that does. Play and a you know how bad out. they were defensively all year. Yeah, they're terrible. They're not. They're not good. And, and so. I just uh, I, the football people pro- probably went through that 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 Florida game and said that's the guy that's going to start if we pick Florida State. What do we think? And they said not too much. If he had played better, hate to put it all on one person, but if he had looked competent in that game, I think they would have been chosen. I really do. I think it ultimately came down to the player that wasn't available. And more importantly, the player that was going to replace him just was such a tiny fraction of what was there before in their mind's eye. Whether true or not, you only had one game to evaluate it, that, you know, Bama was just the better choice. And I would add, again, for emphasis, strength of schedule, not strength of anything else, was part of the committee's um, criteria, which was, you know, set up 10 years ago. Um, the strength of schedule, there was a massive difference. Bama's was fifth, and Florida State's was 55th. And I think you make a really good point that I didn't even think of, which was that when they played Florida last week, Mertz was out, uh, Florida's starting quarterback. And they were down 12 nothing in that game against a team that can't, can't stop anybody. I, I will um, say, add one more thing, Kevin. This had to be gut-wrenching. I'm sure FSU fans at this point had turned off every television that they own, but it must have been heartbreaking, and this does relate a little bit to me personally because there was a kind of similar conversation for who's going to get the Group of Five bid to the New Year Six. It must have sucked to listen to Boo Kerrigan when asked on deciding between Liberty, our Liberty Flames, and SMU to hear Boo Corrigan say that Liberty got it because they just kept winning. If you're Florida State unbeaten <laughs> on the outside looking in. Yeah. Well, you know, Florida State kept winning too, and that was not the knock against them. That's not why they're out. They're out because, unfortunately, they had an injury to a great player at the most important position on the field, and the committee had two games, one in particular, to evaluate his replacement, and they evaluated him as poor. Uh, which meant that the team overall was not the team that had gotten to 11-0 before they won these final two games. I actually, though, I want to emphasize, them beating Florida and Louisville is was quite the accomplishment. Louisville was a team that at times, I know people p- pointed out their points per average, etc. You and I both watched Louisville. They were not a dynamic team offensively. They were at times pretty good defensively, and you saw that the other night. Their starting quarterback the other night, um, who uh, you know to me was kind of an up-and-down guy all season long, he actually looked afraid at the end of the game. I'm surprised he was in there on that final drive. Man, you think about this. Imagine that committee, how hard they were praying that Louisville could pull it off. And they had it down 10-6 to after they rushed a punter, and it was about to be a block kick, and he, he, t- he took himself out, and then Plummer threw an interception into the end zone after, by the way, a drop by the tight end. And if they had taken the lead, I think that would have been game over in that spot. Even if they had kicked a field goal to make it 10-9, to they probably would have had a decent shot to win the game. Um, I feel awful. I know some Florida State people, and it is, it's got to be gut-wrenching. You know, uh, like somebody said, How'd you feel, how would you feel, Sheehan, if Maryland was the last one on the bubble and they didn't get in and they had, you know, they, they had beaten like three, and I'm like, I'd feel terrible. I'd feel awful. You know, and I'm talking about Maryland basketball, of course. Not yeah, Maryland I was going to say, if Maryland runs yeah. the table of football. No, I'm talking right. about like if they – and you know what? There was a Gary team, I remember, that was like basically one of the final three 
uh, that were excluded. It was the year for you Terp fans when McCray, um, Chris McCray got at, was academically ineligible. They had beaten Duke, who was number one. They were rolling, and then he was ruled academically ineligible. Thank you, Debbie, for that. And uh, Debbie L. And they ended up um, being basically the last team or one of the last two teams out. And that was painful because that was the first year we hadn't gone to the tournament in like 12 years or whatever the, the run was for Gary. Um, all right, uh, let's get to uh, this wonderful game take on Washington's 45-15 to loss to Miami yesterday. We'll do that. We'll take calls. Uh, you know, and if you have any thoughts on the college football thing, this would have been as a standalone if we didn't have a game to talk about and a football team here locally to to talk about. This is the number one sports story in the country. That and the 49ers' destruction of the Eagles. And, by the way, I had the Packers right last night, Denton. I told you I thought there was a chance they could win that game outright, and Jordan Love looks like more of the deal than he was then he looked earlier in the year. They're going to be a playoff team this year after that win last night. The Packers are. Their schedule is incredibly weak the rest of the way. All right, Kevin Sheehan Show, the Team 980, the Team980.com. We are free and live on the Odyssey app. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Kevin's Take. The good, the bad, and the ugly from yesterday's Washington Commanders game. Let's go! Let's go! Here's Kevin. This is an interesting play for uh, a lot of folks. Howell escaping. Howell running. Howell with another rushing touchdown. And a lot of folks are smiling for various reasons. That was a good play. That's going to be on my list of good things. 45-15, here we go. My game take, your chance coming up at 11 a.m. I'll go through the list of things that I liked here in this segment and then a list of the things that I did not like along with some other observations to finish up this hour. And then then at 11 a.m., 301-230-0980 will open up phone lines and you can... Uh, speak your truth. Um, so here it goes. What I liked. Uh, there actually were some things in the game yesterday that I liked. I mean, you've got to, you know, you got to really reach here. But there were a couple of things that actually stood out. And I specifically, like last week. Hold on, I have to sneeze. Okay, I just did that. Uh, for those of you wondering why you didn't hear me sneeze, it's we hit, we have what's called in the trade a cough button. And you hit the cough button so that way you don't hear a cough or you don't hear a sneeze. Um, 
last week I thought offensively they they actually weren't terrible for some of that game against the Cowboys. Yesterday, as bad as they were defensively throughout, there were actually a couple of defensive performances that stood out to me. Here we go. I thought Jamin Davis looked good yesterday. I actually think at, at times this year he's played well. Um, and yesterday, I could be wrong about this. I, I don't know if I will go back and watch the game for a second time because, come on, man. I mean, life's too short. Um, but I think they had three linebackers on the field more than I've seen this year. I've not seen the snap counts. I should probably I should have probably looked for those. Um, Denton, find the snap counts, if you will, and tell me. First of all, if Jamin Davis came off the field, it didn't seem like he came off the field that much. But along with Cody Barton and Kalee Hudson, how many? It would be key to, to tell me how many snaps Kalee Hudson had, because I thought that maybe Ron one of the changes was he put more linebackers on the field for more snaps yesterday, and I think it may have benefited Davis. I don't know if it benefited or uh, him or not. I'll tell you one um, thing. I got those numbers. You want them? Yeah, g- give them to me real quickly. Uh, Jamin Davis played uh, 55 snaps, which was 90%. Kalik Hudson played 28 snaps, which is 46%. There you go. They have not had – I would bet you they have not had a third linebacker play anywhere near – what was it, 46%, you said? Yeah, yeah. What What did Cody Barton – was Cody Barton on the field for the same as Jamin Davis or more? Uh, Cody Barton was 100% of the snaps. Yeah, okay. So – I don't. I mean, I haven't kept track of how often Jack's Jack had three linebackers on the field. It, it just may be something that you know one of the changes Ron made. Look, look, Miami's impossible. Okay, they're as good as you get in the league offensively. You know, in the traditional numbers, they're number one overall in yards, number one in pass offense, number two in rush offense. The matchup was not a good one going in. You know, probably the worst matchup of the year for Washington's defense until maybe the Niners come to town. Um, but I thought Davis played well. I thought, first of all, he had on one drive, he had two TFLs. You know, both uh, were excellent plays. He had a really good pass breakup. Um, Jamin Davis on the list of things that stood out more positively than negatively in the game yesterday. Overall, you know, the team had six tackles for loss, and I made this note when we got the last one, which I think was either Hill or K.J. Henry, but I said, that's a lot of TFLs for them this year. Um, They seem to have a a, a sense at times, and at many other times they didn't, um, what was going on, and actually seemed to play, believe it or not, this is going to sound so in conflict with what much of the game was, but they actually seemed at times to be somewhat disciplined, maybe more so in the run game. They had six TFLs for the game. Uh, K.J. Henry had not only a really good TFL on uh, on A-chain early in the game, he also had a really good play on a hill run um, where he got hemmed in by Henry playing very disciplined contain on the edge. Um, two Hill made a, a play that I marked down here. Quan Martin had a play in the running game. I'm searching here, but six TFLs, I think, is a lot for them this year. I mean, take away the Giants' nine-sack game and whatever else they had in that game. Um, also on the list of things that I liked, I thought three offensive players stood out. I thought Curtis Samuel had another decent game. I thought Brian Robinson, before the hamstring injury, had another decent game. I mean, hell, second and 16, he ripped off a 29-yard run. I think the Dolphins had to be so shocked that they were going to run it on second and 16, although I think that was actually the right call. But he made a really good run there. And I thought Gibson, you know, who had 14 touches for 72 yards, I think it was, um, I think Gibson's had some good plays this year in good games. Uh, so those were three players that stood out a little bit offensively. Curtis Samuel, four catches for 65 yards in the game on five targets. That's off of you know a 100-yard game last week, um, which you know Terry hasn't had in over a year. Uh, so Samuel's been a bit of a factor offensively for them. Um, and then lastly on the things that I liked list, and, and by the way, this was in no particular order, um, but I wanted to save this one for last because I was going to spend the most time on it. 
Sam Howe's playmaking ability off schedule is first rate. You know, I'm not saying it's Lamar Jackson-esque, you know, or Jalen Hurts, but Sam's got, look, his arm and his mobility and escapability are unquestioned at this point for me. Okay, arm strength and kind of that ability to create, be mobile enough, escape enough, have not just the strength and the vision and feel, but then the feet to make it pay off, whether by running the football or by extending enough to make a throw down the field. Those through 13 starts this year, those are the two things that clearly stand out from a major positive. And I would also add in like the intangibles of being resilient and being persistent and, you know, all of those things. I mean, you know, yesterday I would add, you know, on that front, on sort of the intangible front, you know, he throws the horrible pick six and the next drive, they come back and they drive down the field for a touchdown and he makes some really good plays um, on that drive. You know, they they had a big run that really sparked that drive because it was second and 16 after a sack. But, um, you know, he made the big third and seven play to to Sam, uh, to uh, to Curtis Samuel. And it's he's got he's got a lot of the intangible stuff that you have to like. But physically, arm strength and mobility unquestioned at this point. We'll get to the rest of Sam's day when I get to the list of things that I did not like. But he really does some of his best work off schedule. The first third and eight throw to Dotson that got challenged but upheld. Um, he escaped a sack on the second drive of the game and just ran for three or four yards, but it should have been a sack. Um, he extended and found Samuel on a third and three for 25 yards on their fifth drive of the game. Second half, he extends. He finds Gibson um, on that first drive for a play that wasn't necessarily great. Uh, in terms of yardage, I think it produced six or seven yards, and it actually, with a better throw, could have turned into a much bigger play, but it, he avoided a bad play, turned it into a positive one. And then the fourth and three touchdown run. I mean, come on, that's been, that's like now a, a, a staple for us in terms of the positive Sam Howell plays. I mean, he avoids Bradley Chubb with really good feel, stepping up, and then makes a phenomenal run, uh, which you heard coming in. Um, his playmaking. Off-schedule, extending the play ability is really, really positive. You know, and it's one of those things in today's game that you almost have to have. You know, and if you don't have that, man, you got to be so, so quick in processing, you know, um, to overcome that so that you're able to get the ball out of your hands before a bad play can happen. Um, So there you go. That's the list of things that from the game yesterday that I actually liked. Uh, The longer list, the things I didn't like, and a few other observations. When we return, Kevin Sheehan showed the Team 980 and the Team 980.com. College football playoff announced yesterday the committee uh, made history by leaving Florida State out of the top four. Florida State becomes the first ever unbeaten Power 5 conference champ to not be in the four that will play for the college football playoff. They will instead play the Georgia Bulldogs in a New Year's Six game. Sunday Night Football, the Packers take down the Kansas City Chiefs 27-19. to The Packers now at 500 while the Chiefs drop to 8-4. and uh, four and two on the road for Kansas City. And that's what's trending. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.
All right. Uh, the list of things that I didn't like. Again, repeating the list of things that I liked from the game. I thought Jamin Davis played pretty well. I mean, maybe the the, the film will, will reveal something else. Uh, uh, overall, they had six TFLs in the game. They made some good plays defensively. I thought K.J. Henry made some plays. I thought Hill made a play or two. Quan Martin did in the run game. Um, the offensively, Samuel Robinson Jr. before the hamstring injury, Gibson, all of them had their moments. And Sam's playmaking off schedule ability is, you know, continues to be really impressive. And, you know, the bottom line is, is with this pass pro and with his, you know, inability to see it as quickly and, you know, which sometimes leads to him holding on to it too long. Um, that's, uh, that's a problem. Uh, for him, but you know, off schedule, playground ball, uh, extending plays, um, arm strength, all real positives for Sam. All right, what I didn't like, let's just start with the defense. I mean, I, I understand Miami is really good, but this wasn't two plays. The defense made some good plays, as pointed out, but once again, they gave up far too many big plays. 78 to Hill, 60 to Hill, those are the headlines. But there was a 20-yarder to Hill, a 16-yarder to Waddle, some big runs, big chunk runs, um, you know, eight, nine-yard runs. They, they, they were lucky, by the way, that there wasn't another big one or two to Waddle. He dropped one on the one drive they punted on in the first half. They only punted once in the first half. It's because Waddle dropped a big ball over the middle that was going to be a 35-plus-yard play. Um, but look, I mean, 38 offensive points. On 59 plays, 406 yards on just 59 plays, 7 of 13 on third down, 2 for 2 on fourth down, and they took their foot off the pedal in the second half. I mean, if Ron really thinks this was about two plays, I don't think he does after watching the game. There's no chance. But it would be a delusional take. I mean, the Dolphins' last two drives, okay, included 18 plays, 15 runs, three short passes with backups in the game. Their last touchdown drive was emasculating to Washington. 13 plays, 12 runs, one short pass, 7 minutes and 50 seconds of total, of total emasculation. The Dolphins scored on five of their first six drives. Come on. Six of their overall nine drives in the game. If they had wanted this to be... Maybe not Denver-esque, 70, but if they had wanted it to be 60, it would have been easy for them to get to that. Uh, it just it was just a bad, another bad defensive day, but I can simultaneously say there were some good defensive plays made, but kind of like what we see at times on offense, some really nice things, but too many things that didn't go well. But for the defense this year, it's just amazing to me. I just can't believe how optimistic I was before this season started about this defense. I mean, I, I, trust me, I'm not going back on it. I One of the things that I've emphasized just in past years, defense isn't as consistent year-to-year as offense is. We've seen that as NFL fans, right? Defense, the the variability of defense year-to-year is much greater than it is offensively. And there are lots of reasons for that. You know, it just kind of came together. The ball bounced their way. They weren't playing great quarterbacks or great offenses one year, and the next year they were. Um, But, you know, offense... Trump's defense, even though this is a defensive comeback kind of a year. But my God, this is just horrendous. Another game where they could not sniff the quarterback. Two is really good in the the pocket, by the way. Um, Even when they had some pressure, you know, very limited pressure. I mean, were there more than two or three legitimate pressures? And when Tua was pressured, he'd just sidestep it or step up real quickly. He's very good at that. Um, and then the the connectivity of pass rush and coverage is just abysmal. Uh, but they can't stop the run anymore. Um, well, I mean, you know, they gave up a lot of yards there at the end, I understand. They can't cover anybody, and they make up for it with a terrible pass rush. And, of course, no Montez Sweat, no Chase Young. Oh, do me one quick favor, Denton. Look up Chase Young's snap count. I, he wasn't in the game a lot. 
seems like they're not playing them a lot. Um, but that's for later on in the, in the, in the conversation. It's just an, another bad day, no takeaways. Was there even a threat, really, of a takeaway in the game yesterday by Washington? Um, they are just putrid defensively. And there were some good plays made by a few good players. And I'm sure somebody will point out from the team or somebody will point out to me, you know, they actually, against Miami, they ran this a little bit better than they've been doing. It doesn't matter. The results were no different. Miami could have hung 60-plus on Washington yesterday if they had really desired it. Thank God for their compassion. Um, Also on the list of things that I didn't like. The pass protection's been bad all year. Look, there were three sacks, but there were lots of pressures. I mean, they got Van Winkle. That guy had an incredible game yesterday. He almost blocked a punt in addition to the pick six. And what did he have sack-wise? Did he have two of the three sacks, Van Winkle? Um, Van Ginkle, I'm sorry. Uh, They got Van Ginkled yesterday. Uh, Anyway, uh, he had, I think, a half of a sack, as it turns out. Um, but the pass protection is just lousy. Multiple times there was immediate pressure that Sam was able to escape. Now, of the three sacks, and I'll get to this with Sam in a moment, I actually thought Sam held on to the ball on two of them, at least two of the three of them too long. But a lot of the plays that he escaped and avoided sack and actually made a positive play were just immediate pressures. I mean, they just don't seem to have the answer to actually blocking anything up. Um, this was not a good game for Eric Bieniemy at all, uh, in my opinion. Um, I know someone uh, will say, she and your quick game got us pick sixth. Uh, yeah, the, the, the quick game, uh, the lack of it uh, in this game, and there wasn't a- enough of it called, in my opinion, early enough, also led to some you know negative plays uh, in the game. And, and that, to me, I, I don't care if it's third. You can't drop this quarterback back with this offensive line. It's not just the offensive line. It's the quarterback and his processing as well. Um, but the pure drop-back game doesn't work. Okay, the quick game's been much more advantageous. And for those that would say, well, you can't quick your game all game long, of course you can. Of course you can. That's West Coast offense. But you have to stay ahead of the chains. You got to be in a competitive score situation. You can't be in third and nine, third and 12 over and over again. Um, But the pure drop back is, you know, as we've seen all season long. The biggest weakness, and I didn't see enough quick game called as I have in previous games. And then, you know, this guy's going to have to, whether he wants to or not, he's going to have to start running the football a little bit more. And ultimately, they ran it a lot yesterday, you know, especially when they got behind a little bit. Um, You know, he stuck with it. There were, there were, the the, the touchdown drive got off to a, uh, you know, the, the second and 16 was overcome by the Robinson 29 yard run. But, you know, that second and 16 wasn't intended to be a 29 yard run for a first down. It was intended to be, you know, let's get seven or eight so we've got a chance on third down. You know, and make it a more makeable third down. Um, but I, I did not think it was a very good day for uh, Eric Bieniemy yesterday. Uh, I think it's interesting to see the teams with more experienced defensive coordinators, the Wink Martindales, the Vic Fangios, as example, like yesterday. They seem to really flummox um, Bieniemy, uh, who you know, again, is part of this final several weeks of watching and evaluating um, to determine whether, look, it's not for us to determine, but it's for us to talk about. Um, but, you know, like with Sam, there's nothing about Eric Bieniemy's first 13 games as an offensive coordinator that would suggest to me that he should be the head coach. Uh, there's nothing to me about the first 13 games of Eric Bieniemy that would suggest that he's ha- absolutely has to come back as Sam's offensive coordinator. There, I'd like to see, and I know it's hard at this point in the season, to all of a sudden become more of a balanced team. But here's the reason that I'd like to see balance. I'd like to see Sam in... The, the traditional young quarterback, a running game is a young quarterback's best friend, to see what he would look like as more of a play action off of a run game, a, a, a run game married to 
play action boot. Like, I know it's hard to change that in the middle of the season. Understood. But it's like I'm watching Brock Purdy yesterday, and I think Purdy's better than Howell. I do. I'm, I'm not about to sit here and tell you that I think Sam Howell's Brock Purdy. Purdy has quick release. He has a complete understanding of what he's seeing. He processes incredibly quickly. I think Sam's probably got better arm talent. And he's in a much better scheme. But I would love to see Sam, what he would look like as a true play-action boot quarterback off of a married run-pass game because I think it would fit him perfectly. You know, along with, you know, and that being a part of some of the quick game that they would call. Um, I've got more on my did-not-like list, uh, and I'll finish up with that and then get to your calls next. Kevin Sheehan Show, the Team 980 and the Team 980.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 